Johnny Dollar. Lieutenant Steve Howard, homicide. I found word to call you there at your hotel. Right. I'm an insurance investigator, Lieutenant, and... Yeah, I've heard of you. Uh, can I help you? Well, I understand you're the man who handled a murder case at the Bala Kinwood dog show last year. That's right. Uh, we're still working on it. Oh, fine. Like to look over the setup for an attempted murder? Uh-huh. Oh. Me. Stay right there, Mr. Dollar. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company. Following is an accounting of expenditures incurred during my investigation of the Laird Douglas Douglas of Hederscote matter. And at this point, that name is no joke. Expense account item three, 70 cents, cab fare, from the office of Harry Branson to my hotel. It was at Harry's office that I got the craziest assignment I'd ever taken. Bodyguard to Laird Douglas Douglas of Hederscote, who turned out to be a dog. And I mean that literally. A purebred Scottish terrier who rated high enough and dogged him for somebody to make a couple of attempts on his life. Right now, it looked like somebody wanted me to be next. Uh, what's all this talk about an attempt on your life? Here, Lieutenant. Take a look at this handbag of mine. Huh? Wait, don't touch it. Huh? I left it here on this little luggage stand about an hour ago, right after I checked in. Only before I left it, I opened it and took out my gun. So? So when I got back just before I called you, I found the bag as you see it now, locked again. Well, now, look here, Mr. Yeah, Miles. I know, I know. But if a chambermaid had been in here, there would have been other signs. You know, bed turned down, fresh towels in the bath, things like that. Boy, you're a suspicious man. You sure you didn't lock it yourself after taking your gun I'm out? sure. Anyhow, instead of opening it, I started to pick it up to put it on the bed to unpack. Here, now, you lift it. Why? Because it weighs close to 25 pounds, and that's too much for nothing but an extra suit, a few shirts and shorts, some handkerchiefs and the like. You check with the desk? No callers that they know about. Oh, let me see. Yeah, that is pretty heavy. And it doesn't tick. Now, look here. Yeah? Do you see where somebody on the fire escape used a pry bar to shove this window open? Well, yeah. And those marks are fresh. Very fresh. Operator, get me central police. Expense account item four. Check for twenty-nine fifty to the nearest bond clothing store for one pair of trousers to replace those torn by Laird Douglas Douglas of what's his name when I'd first met him in Harry's office. Item five phone call to Mrs. Peter Malcolm Kelly Van Pyten. Well, don't you worry, Mr. Dollar. If you're delayed, you're delayed, and we'll just expect you here at the Maples when you get here. Your suite is all ready and waiting for you. I'll be there as soon as I can. Oh, I do hope you've had a suit made to replace those trousers little Laird Douglas tore. Why don't you have a couple of suits made and just charge them to me? Thanks. Maybe I'll get around to that. Goodbye, Mrs. Van Pyten. First of all, I had to know what Lieutenant Howard found out about the suitcase he'd had his lab crew pick up. I took a taxi to headquarters. That's item eight, 65 cents. Why, well, glad to see you, Dollar. Sit down. Well, what'd you find out? Dollar, that bag of yours had enough soup in it to blow out half the side of your hotel. Ah, and I was right. Yeah, professional job, too. Straight wire rig that would have gone off when you opened the bag. Brother, I guess my lucky star is in the ascendant. What made you suspect the booby trap, Dollar? Last year and a few days ago, somebody tried to poison a dog. 
Well do I know. They're Douglas Douglas of Heatherscoat, Blue Ribbon Scotty, belonging to Mrs. Peter Malcolm. Malcolm Kelly Van Fighten, yeah. Right. Apparently, the whole reason for it was to keep the pooch from winning the best of show at the annual dog festival, or whatever you want to call it, out at Ballakinwood. So I've heard. I think it was more than that. Oh, wait a minute. Now, don't tell me you subscribe to the idea that if the dog were to die, Mrs. Kelly Van Pyten would probably kick off, too. No question about it. Okay. Well, you don't know her yet. You wouldn't be so skeptical. Her whole life revolves about that dog. And her money, of course. Now, from what I've seen, she just throws that away. Of course she does. At least in small quantities. You know, a thousand or two here or there, even a hundred thousand to some school or library or something where it'll show. But even that's only a drop in the bucket to her. Lieutenant, I don't quite see what you're driving at. Well, she is one of the remnants of a class in this country, fast dying out, thank goodness, that for generations has been cultured and conditioned into thinking that money is everything, that their whole destiny is to control vast industries, lands, railroads, oil, shipping, and people. People, Dollar, by means of their sheer financial prowess. But I thought our present tax Yeah, situation... sure, their day is almost done, but the few who are still around, like Mrs. Kelly Van Pyten, are hanging on for dear life, trying to add to their power. <laughs> hey, Steve, you make a sweet, gabby, eccentric old lady sound like an ogre. She is, no question. I'm sure she doesn't realize it. Simply because this whole attitude has been so thoroughly ingrained into her all her life? That's right. Oh, well, we'll see. Yeah, you'll see. Well, look, let's get to the point. Who do you think might be trying to get rid of the old lady? I haven't the least idea. Well, uh, no family? Relatives? Only living relative is her nephew, Warren Staley. Ah. Nothing. You sure? Haven't been able to pin a thing on him. Where can I find this Warren Staley? At the Maples. He lives there with her, huh? Yep. And you're sure he would be her only beneficiary? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Good luck, Dollar. Lieutenant Howard seemed to know what he was talking about. Nonetheless, I decided that the nephew, Warren Staley, would at least be a start. And the sooner I could move in at the Maples, the better. Item 9780, cab fares, back to my hotel and out to the Maples in the suburb of Germantown. When I first saw the place, I could hardly believe my eyes. It looked like a regular castle perched atop a small hill. Even the gatehouse, nearly half a mile from the mansion, was big enough to house several families. But the mansion itself, wow. A rather stuffy-looking butler, after practically climbing up my family tree, escorted me to the reading room. Mrs. Kelly Van Pyten and guess who? Whoops! Easy now, Doug. Oh, Mr. Dollar, I'm so glad you're here. And look, he remembers you. Isn't that serious? Yeah, it is. Add a boy, Doug. Oh, and please call him Douglas. Huh? After all, the name Doug sounds so common, doesn't it? Oh, you really think he cares, Mrs. Van Pyten? Uh, oh, you're joking, aren't you? Yeah. Mr. Branson said you had quite a sense of humor. Now, did Hastings show you to your suite? The butler? No, but he took my things. Then I'll show you. I'm sure you'll love it and be quite comfortable. This way, please. Yes. Uh, you coming, Doug? Uh, Douglas? Attaboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see how happy he is having you here? I am, too, Mr. Dollar. Now we just... Oh, Warren, darling. Huh? Hello, Santa. Mr. Dollar, this is my little nephew, Warren Staley. Warren was 25 or so, bright, good-looking, and well, but comfortably dressed. And at Mrs. Van Pryton's orders, he took me up to my suite. Living room, study, breakfast room, bath, and bedroom. And it still occupied only a small part of the second floor. Now, here next to you are Dougie's rooms. One wow. for sleeping and one for eating. 
Can you tie that? A dining room for a dog. And uh, through that door is Mademoiselle Poirot, his uh, governess. She feeds and bathes them. And that's a full-time job? Oh, sure. Most pampered dog in the country. Brother, I'll go with you on that. No doubt, Tonto will ask you to keep this connecting door open at night. Hey, sit down a minute, Warren. I'd like to talk to you. Sure. I hope you're impressed by all this. Are you kidding? And Tonto will love you dearly. Say, would you like a drink? There's a cellarette here for your convenience. Holy. Sure. Scotch and soda. Good. Rather foolish, though, isn't it? All of it. What do you mean? Oh, it's such nonsense to keep up in a state like this just to keep face, so to speak. Well, she can afford it, can't she? Are you kidding? You sound as though you don't enjoy this life of luxury. Yeah, here's your drink. Enforced luxury to keep up the honor of the family. And I resent it. Oh. Without ever having to lift a finger, do an honest day's work. When she's gone, I'll be one of the wealthiest men in the country. That's bad, huh? Do you think it's strange that a fellow would like to stand on his own feet for a change, make something of himself, by himself? Well, why not just pack up and leave? <laughs> you don't know Tata. No, I guess I don't. No, it's really more than that. I'm the only member of this family left, aside from Tata. So I understand. I'm the only one left to carry on the Van Pyten Empire. The drink up. Wait a minute. Branson used that term, too. Yes, empire. Not only enough security to sink a battleship, but controlling rights in steel, utilities, and most important of all, East Moreland oil. I see. And what's most important about that is that I'll survive to keep control of East Moreland from Kenworthy. Harris and R. Kenworthy. Yeah? There's been a battle over East Moreland oil for, for generations between the Van Pytons and the Kenworthy. Say, so tell me, does Kenworthy have any heirs? One. His son, Ronald. I see. What sort of a fellow is he? Good friend of mine. We waste a lot of our time together. Oh, uh, drink up, Mr. Dollar. I'm ready for another. You haven't even touched yours. Yeah, well, listen. I'm going to lay some cards on the table. Shoot. Somebody's been trying to get at Laird Douglas, the dog. Presumably as a way of getting at your aunt. It's true. If anything would have happened to little Dougie... Okay, okay. I'll take your word for it. Now, because of the intense rivalry between your aunt and Kenworthy... Or rather, between Laird Douglas and his pup, Lady Odidi's Mimi, or whatever her name is. Anyway, Kenworthy should be number one suspect. When you know him, you'll cross him off your list. So Lieutenant Howard has told me. But, uh, go on. All right, all right. As sole beneficiary of the Van Pyten Empire, as you call it, you come in as fast number two on the list. I can understand that. But unless everything you've told me is a fancy fairy tale to throw me off, then... Every... Everything I've told you is, is true, Mr. Dollar. What's I... the matter with you? Nothing. Go on. Okay. And mind you, Warren, I'm not forgetting for a minute that there's been a couple of murders involved in this whole screwy business. Plus an attempt on my own life. Attempt on... on you... Dollar? Hey, hey, what gives you... Are you plastering on a little over one drink? No, no listen to me. I know. Now I... No, and I can tell you, Dollar. Tell me what? The answer. The, the whole thing. Dollar. Warren, what's the matter with you? I can't. I can't breathe. Hey, you, Warren. A, a drink. Meant for you. Don't touch. He died without another sound. I carefully sniffed the drink that had been poured for me. Gingerly tasted it. Nothing. Nothing that I could spot. Yeah, poor Warren had probably been right. Whatever it was had no doubt been meant for me. 
Johnny Dollar. Lieutenant Howard, homicide. Oh, hi, Steve. Hi. As you know, I've given orders for you to be confined to your suite out there at the Maples until I can get some of the lab crew out there. You don't think I murdered Warren Staley? Apparently, you were the only one who was with him when he died. Now, look here. I'm the one who's kept even the family out of here. What's more important, you're the only one in the whole estate who might be trusted to keep things intact. Any possible evidence. So please, don't leave your room. Okay, diplomat. I'll sit tight. Expense account, or rather report, submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in connection with my investigation of the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote matter. No need to itemize expenses at this point, because there are none. The magnificent suite in which I'm parked out at the sumptuous mansion of Mrs. Peter Malcolm Kelly Van Pyten is fine. Except for the body of young Warren Staley, Mrs. Van Pyten's nephew, draped over the arm of the easy chair in which he died a few minutes ago. I'd call Lieutenant Howard at Homicide on the phone in my room immediately, and within minutes, the nearest patrol man was stationed outside my door, refusing admittance even to the lady of the house. After all, this was the third murder that tied up with the Scottish terrier who started all this, Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote. While waiting for Lieutenant Howard and his crew, I shaved, showered, and changed my clothes. Then, about ten minutes later... Well, Dollar. Yeah, Lieutenant. See what you mean. Yeah. And he seemed like a nice kid, too. He's all yours, Doctor. Go right ahead. Very well, Lieutenant. Yeah, Paul, just sit my kid. Okay, for pictures, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead, Sergeant. Okay, excuse me, Doc. Okay, Dollar, let's have it. What happened? Well, Warren brought me up here himself, and I sat him down to ask him some questions. You suspected him, didn't you? In spite of what I told you. Sure. A sole beneficiary of the Van Pyten estate. Empire, as he called it. Yeah, well, what do you think now? But you were right, that he was clean. Anyhow... My boy, my poor darling Warren, where is he? No, take your hand off him, my boy. Just a minute, Mrs. Van Pike. No, you can't keep me out. This is my own house, and this is my own yes, nephew, I, I'm my sorry, boy. but I have to wait until we can get away. Oh, it's because... terrible, terrible uh, thing. Mrs. Van Pike, you just wait until we finish. Just a minute, Lieutenant. Hey, whoa, young fellow, hold on a minute. Who are you? Johnny Dollar, who are you? Ronald Kenworthy, his best friend. What happened to him? He was Poisoned? Poisoned? And where were you? How could a thing like this happen if oh, you were doing what... Oh, Ronnie, just calm down a minute. How long have you been here in the house? Why, half, three quarters of an hour, something like that. But I don't where? see... Where? Where were you? I was down in the reading room with Mrs. Van Pyten. All the time? When out in the garden. Alone? Yes, except for a few minutes while I talked to Hastings, the butler out there. What were you doing in the garden? I was on my way up here by the back way to see Warren. I've always used the back staircase from the garden ever since we were kids together. This suite of rooms used to be our playroom, ever since I can remember. All right, all right. Go on with what you were saying. Well, then about that time, or a few minutes later, I don't know exactly, I heard the police car come screening up the driveway. That was the first that any of us, Mrs. Van Pyten or Hastings or I, that any of us knew that something was wrong, that something had happened to Warren. But now look here, Mr. Dollar, I can... with you two. What? You'll have to leave with Mrs. Van Pyten until we're thrown here. Oh, please, Ronald, help me. Help well, me. but I... Go ahead, Ronnie, go ahead. All right. Oh, come on, you poor old dear. Uh, poor old Dave. Sorry for her. You find anything, Doc? Yes, I think so. I certainly think so. Be with you in a minute. All right. You better go on with what you were saying, Dollar. Well, not much more to say, Lieutenant. Warren felt the same way you do, that Branson at the insurance company does. If anything happened to the dog, Laird Douglas, it'd be the end of Mrs. Van Pyten. 
that the murders of the dog's handlers, caretakers, were purely incidental to attempts on the dog's life. But, but what? Well, he apparently was as concerned over this whole thing as we've been. Said he had a very strong theory about who might be back of all this. Who, did he tell you? He was about to when this, whatever it was, hit him. Well, I'll tell you what it was, Lieutenant. Yeah, Doc. Oh, uh, this is Mr. Dollar. How are you, Doc? Norfolk acid. Same thing that killed the two dog handlers and was used on the dog itself. I can tell without further examination. Wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. If the dog got the same thing that killed a couple of grown men... A dog with a much more sensitive stomach, unused to all the strong food and drinks the human stomach is constantly abused with, a dog would immediately regurgitate and retain only a minute amount of the panorphic acid. I see. In the case of Warren Staley here, it was added to the scotch whiskey he drank. Traces of it in his glass and in a full glass beside your chair. Well, Doc, have you checked those bottles in the cellar? I'm just about to. Uh, which uh, bottle did he pour that out of, Dollar? The one right next to that bottle of V.O. there. He... Wait a minute. This isn't the same bottle. What? Well, the one he poured from was half empty. This is nearly full. Hey, now, what's the matter with you boys? You let somebody switch bottles a minute ago? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nobody else came in here besides Mrs. Van Peyton and young Kenworthy? Hastings, the butler, but he just stood in the doorway. That's right, Lieutenant. Yet somehow, between the time Warren Staley poured those drinks and now, somebody switched bottles. Unless you're wrong about this, Dollar. No sign of poison in this one, Lieutenant. It's the only scotch bottle. You've been here in the room all this time, Dollar? Yeah, sure. And in the bath, I shaved and showered and dressed while waiting for you to get here. But only after one of your men came and parked outside the door. Where does this door lead to? It's the dog's quarters. Two rooms. I see. Come on, Dollar. You might wait for us. What about that door beyond? Oh, that. Mademoiselle Poirot, the dog's governess. Well, where was she? How should I know? I didn't even meet her. Uh Ah, the funniest bajer. Yeah, I I guess I should have knocked. Who are you? Why are you coming this way while I'm dressed myself? Uh, uh, Sorry, Mademoiselle. We're the police. Police? What have I done that you should see me this way? Well, nothing, ma'am. Nothing. But, But how long have you been there in your room? Way to change my clothes. Yeah, that was obvious. It's my day off. I have big days. Well, not now you haven't. Get dressed and I'll send an officer in to escort you downstairs. Come on, Dollar. No, you cannot look to me. I've done nothing wrong. You cannot make me stay here. Say, Pete, send somebody around the back way to cover the governess and take her downstairs for questioning. Yes, sir. And Johnny, looks like you goofed. Hmm? While you were showering, somebody came in through her room through the dog's quarters, and did the bottle switch on us. Oh, well, then we're even. Yeah, we're... What? You have very carefully mussed up any fingerprints that might have been on those doorknobs. Oh. Uh. Jerry, see if you can get any prints off those doorknobs back there. Right. If I haven't wrecked them. But, Johnny, if I didn't know about you and your reputation, I'd peg this on you so fast, you'd... You haven't been holding out on me, have you? I assured him that I hadn't, then went downstairs to the monstrous living room and sat in while we went through a routine questioning of everyone in the household. I even went through the motions of bodyguarding the dog that had started all this and tried to console Mrs. Van Piken. Results of the questioning? Nothing, Dollar, nothing. No leads. Yeah, so I noticed. The two previous murders of the dog's caretakers or bodyguards, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, well, same poison was used then. 
And their food as well as the dogs. But why? Why, Steve? Why? Why they? To keep them from helping Laird Douglas when it hit him? Well, more likely because those handlers had got wind of the attempt to poison the dog and suspected who was trying to do it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. So there's one thing you're overlooking, darling. What's that? The intended victim of this last poisoning was not Warren Staley, but you. Oh, brother, I'm not overlooking that for one second. Yeah, and that's why I asked you if you were holding out anything on me. Because it would indicate that you have a lead. Or at least suspicion about someone. Sure, sure, I got a lot of suspicions. Ronald Kenworthy, his old man, the butler, heaven help us. Even Mrs. Van Pyten. <laughs> Maybe even you, Steve. But when it comes to evidence... Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I've got work to do. Looking for the proverbial needle in a haystack was nothing compared to hunting for the poison bottle of scotch that was no doubt stashed away somewhere. Far, far into the night, a regular army of policemen probed and dug and poked around. They opened drawers and closets and cabinets, pounded on walls, looking for sliding panels and secret compartments, went through the trash, sifted a trash heap, dug up any freshly turned earth they could find on the grounds, even climbed trees. Yeah, they prowled through attics and basements, looked everywhere. Result? Nothing. Meanwhile, I stayed close to Mrs. Van Pyten. And I'll say this for her. In spite of her almost silly infatuation with that dog, she showed real strength of character. We sat alone together in the reading room. I know, Mr. Dollar, there's nothing I can do to bring Warren back. Therefore, there's no point in simply sitting here weeping over it. Yeah, yeah that's true. But it isn't easy because it meant more. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, um, I want to ask you some things, Mrs. Van Pyten. I suppose this is the wrong time, but I... No, ask me, Mr. Dollar. I think I know what you want to ask, and now, now that this last terrible thing has happened, I hope, I, I pray that I can help you. Well, I had quite a talk with Warren before he died. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm glad. Warren would have been the sole heir to the Van Pyten estate. Yes. He alone would have carried the honor, the prestige of the family after my passing. Oh, no. Surely you didn't think that he could have been behind those other terrible murders. Quite frankly, at first I did. But he told me something else, and it's bothered me. About Mr. Kenworthy and his son. Ronald? Oh, no, Mr. Dollar. He was supposed to be Warren's best friend. You said supposed to be. Well, I, I... Warren made it very clear that if the Kenworthys could somehow acquire the Van Pyten holdings, either by Mr. Kenworthy marrying you... I have told Harrison R. Kenworthy... Yes, I know. If Laird Douglas wins the show from his Kerry Blue Terrier, you'll marry him. Yes. And I still think it's a screwy idea. But the fact remains it's barely true. It's quite true. Neither you nor Mr. Kenworthy has too many years ahead, if you'll forgive me. Mr. Dollar, what... So there's now only one person left to benefit by the death of Laird Douglas, of Warren, of you, and ultimately of Mr. Kenworthy. Good heavens, Mr. Dollar. That's right. Ronald Kenworthy. Well? I know. I know it. I think you've said enough, Mr. Dollar. Ronald. Yes, I heard it all. Mr. Dollar, I think you've said too much for... Shall we say your health?
Johnny Dollar. Ronald Kenworthy, Mr. Dollar. Good. I want to talk to you. Are you at your home? I am. And after the Okay, then stay right there and I'll be able to see you. Why don't you send the police instead? What's that supposed to mean? A few minutes ago in Mrs. Van Pyten's library, before you kicked me out, you practically accused me of the murder of her nephew. Did I? Well, didn't you? Didn't you? All right, Ronnie. Just calm down and stay put until I can get over there. (laughs) You mean you aren't afraid I might try to take a powder, as you high-handed detectives like to put it? You mean you aren't worried that... Uh... Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company. Following is the final report in my investigation of the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherskolt matter. The whole case started out almost as a lark when I discovered that I'd come to Philadelphia to act as bodyguard to Laird Douglas Douglas and for a fat fee and virtually unlimited expense accounts. Me, bodyguard to a dog. But it ceased to be funny when I learned that the dog's two previous caretakers had been murdered. And when, only a few hours ago, an attempt was made on my life that ended with the death of young Warren Staley. Yes, Mr. Dollar, I see. I guess I was so upset by the death of my nephew that I I didn't realize the attempt was really made on your life. The second attempt, Mrs. Van Pyten. What? Shortly after I arrived in Philadelphia, somebody planted a booby trap in my suitcase in my hotel room. Good heavens, no. And you think that Ronald Kenworthy did that, too? Well, what do you think? Well, yes. Now that poor dear Warren is gone, there's nothing to prevent the Kenworthy estate from achieving control of the Van Pyten holdings. That is, if I were to die. Go on. Upon the death of Harrison Kenworthy, the whole financial empire would be inherited by his son, Ronald. So I understand. Ronald... And he would be the wealthiest, the most powerful man financially in the United States. Ronald, who pretended to be Warren's best friend. Who pretended to love me. It's a terrible thought, isn't it? Apparently adds up, though, doesn't it? There is no question of it. But what evidence have you? None yet. Then I'll help you get it. And I can do it, Mr. Dollar. I may appear to be only a wealthy, foolish old woman who dotes on her pet, Laird Douglas. But I'm not. I'm astute, shrewd, and clever. Since Peter, my husband, died, I alone have managed this estate, this financial empire. I use the word again. With my money, with my... Oh, yes, I can do it, Mr. Dollar, and Ronald will be made to pay for these terrible things that he's done. I, uh, I admire your confidence. Nothing. No one can stand in my way. You see, I'm only sorry that a few minutes ago you didn't keep him here, make him face it. I'm going to see him now. Oh, where? At his home. I understand the estate adjoins this one. Yes. But please, look out for him. Shoot first, Mr. Dollar. What? Because now he may act like the cornered rat that he is. I decided to walk across to the Kenworthy estate in the hope the fresh air would help clear my thoughts. Logical as it all seemed, I didn't like what I just heard. Then luck, pure, unadulterated luck. As I walked across the broad lawn between the main house and the gatehouse, I passed the garage building with its Rolls Royce, two Cadillacs, and a station wagon. And then I saw him. Andy LaFord, alias Andrew Fortune, alias Andrew Ford, one of the cleverest second-story men in the country, with a record on the West Coast as long as your arm. A man who would do anything for money. He was happy going through the motion of dusting off a car. 
I walked past quickly, not sure whether he'd notice me or not. I hope not. For it was one of his ilk who'd had to plant the booby trap in my hotel room, who could have slipped the poison into the liquor that killed Warren Staley. I turned in at the gatekeeper's house. Uh, Mr. Dollar, I saw you at the question. I want to telephone quick. Right here, sir. It's something Thanks. wrong. Thanks. Operator, get me Central Police Emergency. Good heavens, Mr. Dollar. Something The man there happened. in the garage polishing cars. Uh, Andy? How long has he been here? Oh, a year more. Ever since the door was showed Valley Kidd. Well, what does he do? Oh, the driving for Mrs. Van Payton, but there's something going Hello? on. Hello? Give me Lieutenant Howard Homicide. After warning the old gatekeeper that I'd have his head if he said anything to anyone about my phone call, I left by the back door and went over to the Kenworthy mansion where young Ronald was waiting for me. I must say, before we go any further, that I resent the way you ordered me out of the Van Pyten house a few minutes ago. Yeah? Well, I'm sorry. Whether you suspect me or expect me to help you in this case, it was like... Lonnie, you knew Warren Staley. Very well. We were the closest of friends. Confidence. All right. Just how much did he really care about the Van Pyten estate? Fortune, whatever you want to call it. To put it bluntly, he wanted none of it. And I'm afraid his aunt rather resented it. Why do you say that? Because her whole life she's been obsessed by an almost overwhelming lust for power... When Warren finally rebelled against this, she tried not to show it, but she hated him for it. Unlike my father. Oh? I feel as Warren felt. And my father and I together have been laying the groundwork for dissipating the Kenworthy estate into corporate setups that will benefit many instead of just us. Does that sound strange to you? It sounds like true philanthropy, if you mean it. You must believe me, it is, and I do mean it. Oh, I won't suffer, of course. I'll still retain some control here and there, but I'll have to work at it. Instead of just carrying on the tradition of the idle rich... I'll be a man. I hope you're telling me the truth, Ronnie. I believe you are, and I'd like to meet your father. You will. Needless to say, it was much harder for him to break from this tradition of financial power than for me. So perhaps you can see why I admire him above all other men. Anything else? I'll see you later. I was worried about you, Mr. Dollar, going over there to see Ronald Kenworthy alone after all that has happened. Yes, you should have been, Mrs. Van Pyten. Especially if you noticed that I passed by the garage on the way. What? I happened to notice someone there, and I think it answered a lot of questions for me. It was Andy LaForte. Andrew? My private chauffeur? Is that all he is? Oh, do you know him, Mr. Dollar? Look... I took on this case, Mrs. Van Pyten, because you offered me a fee too good to be turned down and an almost unlimited expense account. You haven't answered me. I should have got wise then and there. But I thought your great passion for your dog was just an amusing foible of an immensely wealthy, kind of foolish old lady. Oh, Laird Douglas is a dear one, isn't he? Why, Mr. Dollar... Let me add things up. A few minutes ago, you told me that thanks to your wealth and a very sharp, clever mind, you'd let nothing stand in the way of anything you chose to do. Please, Mr. Dollar, I don't think I understand. All right. You made a contract with Harrison Kenworthy that you'd marry him when and if Laird Douglas beat that pup of his at the dog show. An apparently silly sort of thing, yet everybody believed it. But the real reason for marriage to him was solely to acquire control of his holdings, increase this financial empire of yours. Very subtle. Kept you looking like a cute, whimsical old lady. Why, this is the most absurd thing I ever heard of. So I thought at first, but let me go on. Oh, please do. When you realized that Laird Douglas wasn't ready to beat that dog of his, 
Rather than admit defeat, rather than lose the chance to make this marriage, you ordered the murder of the dog's handlers. Then the contract was still in force, just delayed. I won't listen to such terrible things. You'll listen whether you like it or not. You'll learn that Kenworthy and his son were planning to dissipate their fortune and thereby put it beyond your reach. Mr. Dollar... On top of this, your own nephew, Warren, wanted to do the same with your estate. This was too much. What you have said is too much. Then, by the time I arrive, you learn from an expert, Ray Rowland, that your dog would never stand a chance against Kenworthy's. So you wouldn't dare let him compete, at least until you'd hooked Kenworthy some other way. And part of your whole scheme was to build up evidence of attempts against you, through the dog, of course, though I'll bet you actually hate the mutt. No, that's not true. Anyhow, from the moment I talked to Ray Rowland, I was only in the way. So you tried to get rid of me. Had somebody booby-trap my luggage. Oh, you have no proof. Andy LaForte, this so-called chauffeur of yours, would do anything for money. And I fully intend to break him down and make him admit you hired him as a killer. Listen... Listen to me. On the second try, the poison liquor, your nephew Warren got it instead of me. Fine, fine. Another obstacle out of your way. After all, he had opposed you. Mr. Dollar, how much do you want? I can make you financially independent. Then you set your sights on Ronald Kenworthy, who was trying to break up the other empire you wanted to get your hands on. You even hoped that somehow I might help you. Shoot first, you said. You don't understand. I was Just only... what plans you had for his old man and that warped, twisted brain of yours, I don't know. But I'm sure you had plans. Well, lady, now it's too late. No, Mr. Dollar. No, it isn't too late. Stay away from that drawer. You'd even shoot somebody down with your own hand if you thought it necessary, wouldn't you? But it isn't necessary, Mr. Dollar. Huh? Are you sure it wouldn't be easier if I were just to give you... Say, a hundred thousand dollars and two hundred thousand. All right, Andrew. Right here, Mrs. Van Pyten. Well, well, hello, Andy. Got a license for that thing? Shut up. Want me to do it now, Mrs. Van? Yes, Andrew. Uh, what if the servants hit a shot? Hold it, Donna. Don't worry, Andrew. I'll take care of things. Haven't I always for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. She'll take care of things. While you're pulling that trigger, she'll blast you down so fast you won't know what hit you. Make it look like we killed each other and leave her in the clear. Quiet. She's got a gun in that drawer beside her and she'll use it. You hear me, Eddie? I say quiet. What you don't know is that she can't do without me. <laughs> but we can do without you. All right, Andy, wait now. Listen, will now, you? Now, Mrs. Van. All right, Andrew. Now. Thanks, Lieutenant. Oh, Lieutenant. Then you saw. He was going to shoot down Mr. Dollar. Yes, I oh, heard, yes. too, Mrs. Van Pyten. Plenty. Oh, no, you, you don't understand. Mr. Dollar had come up here to talk to me. I wanted to offer him a great deal more money for his work for me. I guess he I almost didn't make it. I'm glad you keep talking to him so long. Got a cough drop. Is this body the end of the floor commission? Oh, shut up. What was that? You heard him. I beg your pardon. Clever, shrewd, astute. You're just off your rocker. You'd have to be, I guess, to start a thing like this in the first place. Well, I guess by the time the estate and inheritance laws get properly applied, the Van Pyten Empire will be spread around the way Warren wanted it. Expense account item 10, 28.90, fare and incidentals back to Hartford. Total, including fees, $1,113.40. Remarks? I'm glad I'm poor. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
is our star to tell you about next week's intriguing story. Next week, an insurance swindle that really backfired. The only trouble was it caught me right in the line of fire. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs>